0: So I have a friend slash teacher named Jana Childers who taught at San Francisco Theological Seminary, one of the first women to teach preaching, and uh, she brought a real interesting perspective. The very first class that I took at Princeton on preaching was from her, and trust me, coming from ACU to there, and having her as my first preaching teacher, I was like, and she was wonderful. But she wrote a book not too long after we started studying together in some post-grad theology stuff, and she called her book on preaching, get a load of this, she called a book, Birthing the Sermon. Hmm. That's one I had never heard before from my teachers. Um, So I read it, I thought about it, and the reason that I mention that is that this sermon that we're about to experience together, um, I have been waiting to preach for nine months. (laughs) And it's just like this beautiful little coincidence, but I've been working on this sermon for nine months, and I, I mean just letting it just grow, and it, it's been exciting, but now here we are, and together, not just me, but um, together we're going to birth this sermon, uh, and it is, is one I've just been so excited about getting to share, because now, you know what, this is the fourth Sunday of Easter, right? Fourth Sunday of Easter, we're still telling this story Um, But here's the way we're going to tell it. Let's pray together. God, again, thank you for welcoming us here. Thank you for sharing your word with us that we together today as this family, we proclaim with one another. May these words of our hearts, May this meditation of our hearts be pleasing to you. We stand before you today telling your story in the name of Jesus. Amen. She just realized that it was Jesus. And right at that moment, Jesus utters words of unity for us to hold on to, the words to my God and your God. She just realized it was Jesus. I think I heard Jesus, but I'm not sure. Have you ever been somewhere when you were trying to listen to someone talk, but everyone is talking? Or the TVs in the restaurant are turned up as though it wasn't hard enough to hear people and what they were saying without the TVs on. You know what I'm talking about? I think I heard Jesus, but I'm not sure. The deafening drone of the television is coming at me in one ear, even though it is uninvited. I didn't ask to have it on. But everywhere I go, these Orwellian screens are all around me, this ever-present irritant like an ankle full of chigger bites. I actually wanted to hear what Jesus said. But in the other ear is this group of people on the other side arguing about earth-shattering things like the latest episode of such and such series, the latest celebrity, what have you, and what what's her name, wore of the Met Gala, whatever that was, advertisements try to get me to ponder what kind of dining set defines me as a person. I keep asking if we can just all calm down and for crying out loud, turn off the TV because I want to hear what Jesus says. I mean, don't you? Certainly, it's more important than, I don't know, anything. It's kind of like the scene in Life of Brian when the Monty Python cast is at the Sermon on the Mount, but they're at the very back of the Sermon on the Mount crowd, and so Jesus is hundreds of feet away, and they can hear him, but just barely. And so they start getting into an argument. Jesus, way up front, way far away, says, Blessed are the peacemakers. But by the time it gets back to the very back of the crowd and they can barely hear him, they get into a big argument with each other by what exactly did Jesus mean by blessed are the (laughs) cheesemakers? In real life, Jesus is still speaking this final word from the cross, but man, if it's not hard to hear, Jesus still speaks this eternal echo from John 19. The very last thing that Jesus says from the cross in the Gospel of John, it is finished. Not everything about faith is what to believe. If it's all about the what of what we do, we can quickly lose sight of the why. The empty tomb reminds us of the why of our belief. Why do we keep looking to share this life with one another? Because Christ is risen. Because Jesus continues to live and live in us and invite us closer to this source of all life. We've stood at the empty tomb, but now it's time for us to leave the empty tomb. It's time to leave. It's time to go sit on the beach with Jesus and eat the catch of the day. But one of the things we reflect upon as we sit at daybreak, sitting there with Jesus as the gentle sound of the lapping water rolls in behind us, it is there. On the beach, that we still hear the last word we heard Jesus speak from the cross. That we thought was the last word, but is not really the last word, but in many ways it is the last word. We translate it, it is finished. It took us three words, it only took Jesus one. You ever heard the Original word, it's just a single word. Last word Jesus spoke from the cross, to tell us die. We are invited today to take up our crosses and follow Jesus, even as we know this whole story that dying to ourselves will not actually result in dying, but in life everlasting, to abundant life, as we live in this new creation. This new creation of Jesus, Jesus whose pronouncement from the cross, it is finished, is actually an invitation into the new creation of the living Jesus, the beginning and the end, as we live emboldened in Jesus, in this invincible trust, as we live in this world without end. And then, this happened. Early. reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first... She just left that. I'm sorry. (laughs) Just one of the funniest things in the Bible. Anyway, he went inside. He saw and believed. Now, remember that, because that's going to come back. That's an important thing. He saw and believed. They still didn't understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head, the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they've put Him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Are you looking for someone? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I'll go get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbanai, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father and your Father. To my God and your God. Mary Magdalene. Went to the disciples with the news. I've seen the Lord! And she told them that he had said these things to her. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, "'Peace be with you.' After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, "'Peace be with you.' As the Father has sent me, I am sending you." And with that, he breathed on them and said, "'Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you don't forgive them, they're not forgiven.'" Now, Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So, the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand, into his side, I won't believe it, a week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them, though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you, then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand. Put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and have yet believed. Maybe you've seen and believed. Maybe you've not seen and believed. We all wind up in the same boat with my God and your God. But it's more than peace be with you that we hear Jesus say once we are able to hear Him. He talks to Mary outside the tomb and tells her where He is going, which I think is a preview of where we're all going to my God and to your God. That's what Jesus says, to my God and to your God. It's as though Jesus is saying, after everything came to a head, that the good guys and the bad guys and all the guys in between, Jesus somehow is still speaking in terms of us instead of them. You see, Jesus doesn't mess this up. We mess this up. And we would expect Jesus not to mess it up. But we're disciples of Jesus, so why do we keep messing it up? Jesus says, to my God and your God. We somehow have been conditioned to say, to my God, but not your God. Jesus doesn't say that. We say that. Jesus calls us to the why before the what. Some days, and I don't know, maybe we need to learn how to sing the song. There's no good guy. There's no bad guy. You know, there's just you and me, and we just disagree. But God's the same. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You remember the beginnings of the Gospel of John? Go back and read chapters 3 and 4. Jesus welcomes a Pharisee into the new creation. That's chapter 3, right? Remember the Nicodemus story? Jesus says, born again, how can I be born again? Well, here's how you're born again. Welcome to the new creation, Pharisee. Next chapter, chapter 4. Guess who shows up? Not a Pharisee, a woman. And a Samaritan woman at that. And you know what Jesus tells her? Welcome to the new creation. You see how revolutionary that is? According to their legalism, the legalism of the times, Pharisee and Samaritan woman can't even be in the same room. Did you know that? According to all the standards of the time back then? They couldn't be in the same room, much less be in the same new creation. But That's where Jesus puts them. You think Jesus is still calling us today to let down our guard and be the kind of church where a Pharisee and a Samaritan woman can actually serve communion together? Not because of who they are or who they're not, but because of the glory of the new creation brought to you by the resurrected Jesus. That's the gospel of the new creation right there in a nutshell Pharisee, Samaritan woman, this is the bread of Christ, this is the body of Christ, this is the blood of Christ. Welcome. I wonder what kind of people we would be today, and I'm talking the entire church, not just our family here, but the whole church, whole worldwide church, who claims Jesus is Lord if we talked about and knew and lived by these words of Jesus to my God and your god it'll probably be the kind of church that we get excited about letting people in instead of keeping people out as though that were even up to us in the first place i kid you not i really think that heaven is going to be a surprise to some people wait you let them in can you just picture that like we're some kind of prodigal son's brother pouting in the corner. Plus, if heaven winds up being a place for only the select few who get everything right, I'm not going to make it. And if I can go from uh, preaching to meddling, guess what? You're probably not going to make it either. Not if that's the criteria. Get it all right. Get it all just right. Sacrifice. Sacrifice. Jesus comes in and says, hmm, yeah, I've heard of that sacrifice. God prefers mercy. Yeah, but that's only for me. I'm not giving that to somebody else. mm -hmm mm And so thanks be to God that we have this story of Jesus in John who welcomes Pharisees, Samaritan woman, beggars by healing pools, and a woman named Mary at an empty tomb who when she recognizes Jesus hears him say the words almost first words out of Jesus's mouth to this Mary Magdalene to my God and to your God you know what Mary calls Jesus when she realizes that he's not the gardener and Is the post-resurrection story of John just not one of the wackiest things you've ever heard? I don't mean to be irreverent, but John's talking about how he's a better sprinter than Peter, and then Mary Magdalene thinks that she sees the gardener. Had she been hanging around in the tomb a lot and known all the... Who knows what in the world this comes from, but she thinks it's a gardener. She realizes it's Jesus, and what's the first word out of her mouth? Basically teacher but it loses something in translation because rabbi that's a big word back then big time word and if she knew what she was saying which i think she probably did she knew what she was saying she would know right then and there that if she was in close proximity to jesus who is rabbi guess what she has to do as a woman according to the time you know what she literally had to do She had to distance herself because she couldn't be in close proximity to a rabbi. She had to spread out, get distance. But John doesn't detail that out. Instead, she says that and then Jesus says to my God and to your God. I don't know, turn to your neighbor for a second and say the healing words to my God and your God. That was weak. (laughs) you're, You're saying that to each other like there's nothing at stake. Which, it's okay. I mean, it's a weird preacher thing to do on a Sunday morning anyway. So, next time you say it, whether it's during worship or to people that you come in contact with, or I don't know, maybe the whole wide world, what's it going to sound like? To my God and your God the comforting Lord of all creation, the creator and sustainer of love that connects us all in Christ Jesus, the author and perfecter of this journey into the new creation right here in the middle of this world without end. Not only does Jesus still remind us that it is finished, at least this introduction to the new creation, but He also still says, Peace, peace, be with you. And we can hear him. And on those days when we hear him, when we hear Jesus say, peace be with you, that is this invitation to come with him, we even say, okay, I will go with you, Jesus, to my God and your God, into your glorious new creation. Just lead the way into your world without end. Amen.